Hey everyone, thanks so much for checking out season two of the Badass Podcast. Just wanted to give you guys all a heads up. July is going to be a very uh, busy month for us here because we've got uh, Curse of the White Knight, which is volume two of Sean's Batman book, is going to be debuting, as well as a Kickstarter for a book I'm going to be doing called Bloody Hell. And uh, as that gets closer to coming out, you'll get more information. So thanks so much and enjoy the show. Welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman, the animated series show podcast. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me is... Sean Murphy. And Here we, we are, are. We are back again to talk about Season 2 of Batman... Well, the DVD division of Season yeah. 2. Not right. the other. This is, I guess, episode... Actually, it's episode 29 and 30, if yeah. you're going by the actual thing. But <laughs> this is Season 2. Hopefully, it's not... Yep. 2021 right now and we actually got these out in a fairly <laughs> yep we're gonna yeah. release these uh serial like once a week or once Hopefully, every few weeks yeah, yeah, yeah we're not gonna dump them like if, last if time. you're listening to it it means it's out yeah right yeah that's that's logic yeah, that works be, just be thankful yeah um <clears throat> what are we gonna try to do better this season um <laughs> more hentai <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of good response about the Man, hentai discussion. I need so. another rant of some kind. That's, that's <laughs> I'm, I... I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I hope we hope you guys enjoyed um, Mask of the Phantasm. We had a good time doing that one. And now we are on to season two. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be covering the episodes Eternal Youth mm. and Perchance to Dream. In Eternal Youth, which was uh, written by Beth Borstein and directed by Kevin Altieri, several rich industrialists are invited to the Eternal Youth Health Spa, and that's where they are last seen before disappearing. The only connection, they had something to do with the death of plants. (laughs) Thank you, Wikipedia. (laughs) Bruce Wayne also receives an invitation, although it was... One of his greedy directors who nearly made the deal to destroy... Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Uh, Although it was one of his greedy directors who nearly made the deal to destroy a rainforest before Bruce forced him to shut the operation down. (laughs) But Alfred... That was all in a parenthesis. That was one sentence. No, it's in in another sentence. Oh, okay, okay. But Alfred and his lady friend, Maggie, (laughs) go in his place. When they do not return, Batman is forced to investigate, discovering that the spa is run by Poison Ivy and that she has been using a formula to turn the industrialists into humanoid trees, including Alfred and Maggie, and this concludes my third grade book report. Let's just review the Wikipedia entry. How about that? Yeah, that was... (laughs) Could have have used a a second pass on that one. Yeah, I I think it's good that we don't... You don't practice and rehearse that. It's kind of good you go in cold and you can kind of show people, like, this is what... Yeah, no, it's always fun. I mean, they're usually pretty tight, but that one, not so much. Yeah. There must be people who fight over these entrance, these entries. 
like guy in Minnesota. Damn it, he rewrote Eternal Youth. Like I had it worded perfectly. Fuck him. But then he looks at it and he's like, no, nah, he made some good changes. <laughs> there, I see where he was going. There with is that. a Coen Brothers movie there. Yeah, I think that would be <laughs> the people who go, they get home from work early. They it's, they sign in at lunch. They check Wikipedia. They're like that fucking asshole. He changed my Batman animated series episode two nine zero one. It's all the all the cut scenes from Barton Fink. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this is our first Poison Ivy episode since I think she's only done maybe one or maybe I, I can never remember these, but she hasn't had too many. Yeah, um, I think she had around five altogether. Yeah, so th- this is one of one of the first few, and uh, unless I'm missing one, which I probably am because I can't remember what happened yesterday, let alone what we did mm-hmm. last time. Yeah, um, <laughs> they did her uh, origin story. And we thought that one was kind of was eh, was yeah, all right. They, yeah. they I, what what I'm getting at is the first season was we kind of felt was really hampered by the necessity of doing all these villain origin stories. Mm-hmm. And now that they got those out of the way, yeah, they kind of just are able to tell stories. And I thought, yeah, for a Poison Ivy story, I thought this was pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot I loved about it. Um, even as a kid, turning people into trees. Seems really scary. That she really upped her game. Yeah. Like I don't even remember what she did last time, but that <laughs> shit was that. even now was yeah. that was scary. The sound too. Her hearing their bones turn into bark. Yeah. That's yeah. And I love that they actually they make sure to mention that it's only an exo skeleton so, thing. Yeah. So so you're not a kid there going like even as a kid going you there's no coming back yeah. from that when your eyeballs turn into yeah. tree bark you're done as a kid I, I didn't register that they were still alive inside it just felt like if you broke a branch off you basically broke off their finger or thumb yeah or if you like took a chainsaw to it blood would shoot out from the middle of the tree or whatever and that would be a better episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny they could have had a scene where they're gonna cut one down it almost just to give you the tension and then, then pull back a bit you know <laughs> hey chris is the, are these trees supposed to scream when you cut them <laughs> What? I'm trying to fix Joker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just do whatever, man. Uh, yeah, but I, I, you know, I thought this one was pretty good. There, uh, it reminded me actually. They say, um, wait, who's Chris? That was just a fictional. <laughs> okay. he's, a, he's, a, he's the fictional. Uh, or was uh, it Kevin tree... Altieri? You could have just said, "Hey, Kevin." I could, but this, yeah. is, this was a fictional uh, uh, tree cutter in this Sorry. in this scenario. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> uh, it actually, it, it's funny. She has really uh, Poison Ivy has really upped her game. I mean, it's what I liked about it is now that they've established these characters, um, they can remain consistent with them, and mm-hmm. I fe- felt like she was very consistent to what they had set up previously. Right. So. I noticed that they were going out of their way to hide her face. They had her mm. in shadow for mm-hmm. a while, and then they only saw her from behind. Yep. Um, and the big reveal of, oh, my God, it's Poison Ivy. I did not think that that worked at all. Yeah. Because it's obviously Poison Ivy. Right. And you see her <laughs> as the doctor dressed up in a lab coat yep. with glasses, and that is obviously Poison Ivy as well. So yep. I don't feel like they got themselves any bonus points by hiding her identity for so long. Do you think that's more effective though if it's a kid watching it because I, I mean i don't know is is there this weird disconnect where like as a kid even if you figure it out you have that maybe like that feeling of oh wait i know who this is this is poison ivy yeah and then, they, then they tell you go oh i was right right um or is it just right not does it just not work so on that to to, to up that to, to to let me pose a question back to you yeah do you review something based on the first time viewing or do you review something on how rewatchable it is for this specifically or just in general it's just in general um 
I guess it depends what it is. Uh, I, I, I would say if I'm... I try not to put too many caveats on it, if right. I can. Unless it's explicitly mm-hmm. explicitly not... like if, if it's explicitly made for kids, I'm going right. to do it on a curve. Right. But even there, if you've got third act problems, I'm going to yeah. let you know about it. Well, so the next episode we talk about... Um, I feel like it's a great episode the first time you see it. Yeah. When you watch it again and you know the secret, mm-hmm. there's not much else worth watching, honestly. Right. But that doesn't have to be the case because I think The Sixth Sense is amazing the first time mm-hmm. and it's still good the second time, third time. You know, knowing the secret that he's, spoilers, yeah. <laughs> and he's dead, doesn't, it just changes. Whereas sometimes if you know that secret going in it just doesn't hold up as much yeah there are definitely some things that don't work as well on right. rewatch. Um, so in this case like if i'm reviewing it on like how does the episode hold up mm-hmm. eh, you know there's no reason that they had to hide her for so long whatever benefit they get from that isn't really worth much i don't think yeah that's fair mm-hmm. um I, you know I, I would assume that even if you are a younger person watching this as soon as as soon as there is a leaf-based crime, <laughs> yeah. you have a pretty good idea of who's behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime a doctor with red hair walks by, he's like, Poison Ivy, there she is, Poison Ivy, she's going to be the bad guy. Yeah. A doctor with red hair who seems like oddly oh. standoffish about plants. So breathy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Um, they've really... Uh, uh, jacked up her rhetoric in this where where she is very much i mean she's always a pro plant anti-human but right. they, she's pretty intense and this it actually reminded me there is a there is a wrestler right now his name uh-huh. is daniel bryan who is the wwe champion <laughs> and in real life he is a vegan and he's a, a, a environmental activist and all this kind of stuff oh cool and now that is his character but he's a bad guy so all he's doing, it's amazing. All he's doing is saying stuff he actually believes. Like, you know he believes it. Right. Where he's yelling at the fans, calling them <laughs> fickle consumers who just create trash. And you like, this is what he actually believes. It's not, a, not an act. No. But it works because he's a bad guy. Yeah. And that was what I was, uh, what I was thinking of. It's, it's like, for, even though these characters are right, you yeah. can still feel comfortable booing them because of yeah. the attitude they put behind it. I wonder if you could do that in comics. Be like a, a well-known creator, but just play the part of the heel. And mm. You can unload on whoever oh, you want dude, it's at any my time. Dream. It's my and dream. people will just applaud you like, yeah. My dream is to turn heel in the comic book world. <laughs> <Turn heel. Yeah. laughs> I'm not sure that would land on Twitter that no. well. <laughs> There, there would have to be a there would have to be an end game in place for it. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's that's my that's my exit. It's called suicide. Yeah. <laughs> or faking anyway, your death at least. I don't want to give away my plan too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's you know I. I, I, I thought she was good. I thought she was consistent. They've they've got her character in a place where they've got a few things that she does. Uh, she's still got henchmen, yep. which is whatever. She still has she, that stupid bow and arrow wristband. Yeah. She somehow managed to get the funds to start this really <laughs> exclusive health spa, Yeah, which was very impressive. Yeah. It's like a Greek spa in the woods. Uh, that only three people work at. Uh, yeah. Who <laughs> are two... Horrible act. Oh, the way that the video, the commercial that she sends to Bruce yeah. on the uh, VHS tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the the actresses, or it's, they're they're bad on purpose. And then when you meet them, it's like, oh, we repeat, we finish each other's sentences, yeah, like those yeah. kind of girls. My my favorite part of the episode actually is after um, <clears throat> is when Batman gets called in to yeah. investigate the uh, the de- <laughs> your my, dog. Just yeah, want- my dog Pliskin has Pliskin, lots of thoughts on this a, episode. Apparently, quit nudging my elbow. I can't pet you the oh, whole yeah. time. <laughs> Uh, my favorite part of the episode is is when they after 
when Gordon brings in Batman to investigate the disappearance of the woman from the beginning. Yeah. And he's like, Ugh. Batman's like, I'm going to go check out her apartment. And Gordon's like, we, we've been all over it. We've <laughs> fine tooth comb over that whole place. We have found nothing. And Batman walks in <laughs> and just picks up the VHS tape that's right on the friggin' table in it's front of the TV. It's practically slid halfway inside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at it and he plays it and he goes, eh, she's probably here. <laughs> Yeah, and another question I had related is, mm-hmm. why wouldn't Ivy just turn Alfred into a tree the first time he was there? She's got chemicals that instantly turn you into a tree. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure why he had to go back. Right. Yeah. Now, I like that he went back mm. and he was acting weird and putting plants and flowers in the Batcave. I like this. Though. I like that he and Bruce had more FaceTime and Bruce could tell he was getting woozy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't understand why that had to happen. I feel like Bruce could have... Ivy could have gassed him or turned him into a branch. Bruce could be looking for him, figure it out without that. You needed they added like another act, basically. Yeah, yeah I think overall, what's what's missing from this story is, um, as consistent as Ivy's character is, it is also fairly one note. Yeah, and I think having more of a explanation as to why she's doing this, yeah, instead of just getting revenge for trees, might have been a little bit. Yeah, and and I think I think really it's a coin flip there, right? Because mm-hmm. you only have so much time to do this, so you either have the scene where Alfred goes back and does the fun right. Batcave stuff, or you really get into the plot, right? And you know that's just what they decide. You're right. You know, you, now that you mention it, Poison Ivy is not that deep in this this series. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have the depth that Clayface or Mister Freeze or um, you know uh, Rachel Ghoul has. You're right. She's just a villain who's got a pretty corny golden age, you know, motivation basically. Very hand wringing villain. Kind yeah, of, it's yeah. it's pretty dumb, honestly. And it's <laughs> there's a lot of like you need to just kind of go with it. Like the idea of turning someone into uh, making a humanoid out of a plant and this right. thing is stronger than Batman. It's like, I mean, if you had grounded it with some logic or some emotion, you know, they they come close. And I think it's the next episode with her where she has a family and mm. she's pretending to be reformed and her kids. And her husband aren't actually who they say they are. They're just plants acting like a family. And in the end, Batman says, you know, I don't think Ivy was doing this as a scam. I think she actually felt like she had a family in a yeah, weird way. that's kind of cool. That adds to her. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, like we have that. to get to the third episode with her before we get any kind of meat. Yeah. You know, but her teaming up with Harley actually does inject her with some more substance. You right. Know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, it'll be fun to talk about that when they start. Do they do they do that much in the show? They do it a couple times, right? Yeah, they team up uh, at least twice. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that stuff will be fun to talk about. Yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to getting to the last season where they change everything. Because uh-huh. I bought the I have the Blu-ray set, and so I was jumping around a little bit just watching some of those episodes. Yeah. I don't I don't like them as much. I yeah. like the designs, but I don't think the yeah. the writing and stuff is there. But Yeah. You know, when that first came out, I loved it. Yeah. Like you say, I like the Batman costume the best. Mm-hmm. They do a good red sky. Yeah, Gotham City's always red at night. Like they made some pretty bold decisions. Um, but as an adult, going back to seasons one through three, like I actually prefer these better for some, for some reason. I think the writing on the last season was so tight mm. that it felt cold. Yeah, you know, whereas yeah. it just didn't have like the same heart and emotive aspects that these first three seasons have. Yeah, and also they kill Bruce Wayne's character, like they because in the old. Not to go too much on a tangent. Already, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. The Bruce Wayne in these episodes, <laughs> Go- the older episodes, yeah. there, there is a difference between him and Batman. Yeah, Goofy Bruce. Remember yes. this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even more so than that, like 
the uh, uh, I love the scene in this one where he's on the phone with the guy who made the Amazon deal, mm-hmm. and he's just he talks in that higher register. He talks in that Bruce Wayne register. Yeah. And then as soon as he hangs up, he turns into the Batman voice. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and it's that I love that because it's a great yeah uh, example of showing how Bruce Wayne is is the mask. You know, because mm-hmm. when yeah. he's not on the phone, he turns into Batman. Right. Instead of Bat Bruce Wayne turning into Batman. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and in the in the the later season, they he uh, uh, Co- Kevin Conroy just plays him Batman mask or not. Mm-hmm. It's very much the same character. Yeah, it's Batman in a power suit. Yeah, basically, essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's when um, yeah, for my Batman, that's sort of what I went for was Bruce's no nonsense, cutthroat, just right. as direct and you know short fused as he is as, as Batman. So. Yeah, yeah, yep. Well, you know, well, we can talk about this more when we get to that in five years. Um, but yeah, I liked uh, I liked the Bruce Wayne stuff. I, you know, what I actually love is at the end, um, the giant tree mm-hmm. that comes busting up. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, great set pieces. Yeah, except all the one shot where they do the long shot of the tree coming up, and it just looks like a giant piece of broccoli that yeah. someone's like <laughs> sliding a cutout of. Right, but the animation inside of everything coming up out of the ground and the tree growing—I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. man, who would want to imagine if you're an animation team and they stick you with, "Hey, why don't you animate some branches and trees, and we'll draw poison ivy?" It's like, yeah. oh man, these yeah. guys suck. Yep, they could commiserate with the hentai guy. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta add more, more to that rant. I'm sure there's more material there <laughs> worth going back to. First, uh, I had to do some research. Um, what did you think about Alfred's relationship with the neighbor? Whoever that was, um, I thought it was fine. I mean, I assume she never really comes back, right? I don't remember no. her coming back. No, it, you know, it was what it was. I think it's, I think it's nice. It's nice to have Alfred have his own life, definitely. But at the same time, I also like how they use that as a foil for him to be like, "Well, I don't want my own life," <laughs> you know, because she's all into him and everything, and he's like, "Well." Yeah, I mean Bruce, Master Bruce has. I gotta, you know, clean his suits or something. You know? I, I thought it was just he didn't like her. She That's was, possible. She was too. annoying. Yeah, yeah. I thought that she was just grating on him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would imagine. I mean, I think it's interesting <clears throat> that they give him something to do other than to dote on Bruce the whole time. Yeah. And yeah. having him be like, "Oh, gross!" So even when he's at the spa and he's like, "Oh, it's so beautiful everywhere you look," and then he looks at her in a mud bath and he's like, "Never mind." <laughs> <laughs> I also I enjoyed that they got between these two episodes they got a got a lot of good use of that animation of the car driving up to the front of Wayne Manor yeah because the they ro- use it like three times her car the roadster yep and I noticed her steering wheel is on the right side of the car yeah too. she has like an English car proper yeah. British yeah however what I thought was funny is if you look at that scene when the car drives up right if you look at actually the car compared to the size of Wayne Manor and mm-hmm. the, the gates. Yeah. Wayne Manor's on that giant cliff. Yeah. And if you follow how that gate would open, there's about three quarters length of a car between that gate and the cliff. Oh, I see. So there's no way she would have been able to drive through that. <laughs> Don't ruin it for me, man. <clears throat> yeah. You know, magic xylophone. <laughs> um, yeah, I said I love this set. Love the giant tree ending. Uh, the, the very last uh, line is when... Um, 
Maggie is recovering mm-hmm. with Alfred and Bruce decides to like bring them a plant as a yeah. gift. And they're like, Bruce, please, the plant, like get it out of here. He's like, oh, <laughs> sorry. You know, goofy Bruce. Yeah. And the, the, the line is like, oh, Bruce, he's a nice guy, but he's not too bright. Mm-hmm. And that's when you go, ha ha, he's just kidding. Cause he's really Batman. He saved your asses. Yeah. He's just being a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how Bruce um, has a giant uh, flat screen TV, mm-hmm. black and white. Yep. <laughs> yep. No color. Yep. It has to be black and white. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And uh, he's always in the gym doing bench press while news is coming and going. And yeah. Yeah. There's a. Uh, I. These two episodes both have a, uh, a lot of uh, empty space in Wayne Manor, where yeah. it's like this giant room that just has a single chair in it. Right. And in this, the next episode, there's a room where that just has a TV in it. Like there's not there's nothing it's like a chair and a TV and that's it. The room with the, with the painting of his parents. Exactly. Yeah. That, it, there's no couches. It's just a it's just an empty hall yeah. with the painting they need for that part of the scene and that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um how do you like your Wayne Manor? Um so big gothic do you like it brick do you like it in the city do you like it in the woods do you like it on an island do you like it on a cliff i generally like uh r- removed from the city more kind of classic mansion yeah. basic but you know the more classic idea right um because yeah i i've always thought that if you know if if the bat cave is underneath it mm-hmm. it needs to be somewhere where people can't see it <laughs> yeah. uh yeah or at least on its own fairly ex, uh, exclusive piece of land. Right. Whether that's on yeah. a cliff or not doesn't really matter. But. In the movies when they show the Batmobile racing up to the entrance mm-hmm. um, in Nolan it has to jump through a waterfall which hides it um, in Burton there's it's like a dead end road and then suddenly the rock lifts up and yep. you're inside. Mm-hmm. So people who've wandered down that road and it's just a dead end like do they just never bother to wonder why? Like I do have questions about <laughs> I know no one wants to think about those things, but I think... Yeah, the, the road the road in the Burton Batman to the Batcave is yeah. strangely paved. Yes. Because it is a paved road. <laughs> newly paved. Newly paved road yeah. that leads to just a, a wall. Yeah. Uh, that would that would probably bring some questions up. Right. Not as many questions as... I can't I can't believe... I. So I, I enjoy Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. The one thing, even as a kid, I knew was ridiculous was when they shine the fucking bat signal and then at Wayne Manor these gigantic bat signals turn on and shine them into the house so you can get that cool shot of him standing with the bat oh, yeah. signal with the it looks ground. awesome yeah. but it makes yeah. no sense yeah but during the mansion tour when people are like and this is the this is the dining room this is this this is the pool hey what are those uh giant strobe lights doing yeah. next to and also Victorian? what activates those yeah how do they know to, to what, what's the mechanism that yeah. Sees the bat signal and then right. turns on. Right. It should just be an alarm or a buzzer in his this pocket. This show's or... stupid. <laughs> Batman's dumb. This is going to be the last episode because I have just grown up. <laughs> oh man. Well, I, I think we I think we touched most of the bases yeah. in this one. Do you have a, a a portion of this that you'd like to draw or oh. or tackle in some fashion? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Do you have one? Do you have an answer ready? I do. Uh, the tree people. Yeah, that's like that's pretty good. Even now, that stuff is it's pretty creepy. Yeah, like that when they reveal that menagerie of tree people, that's some scary shit. I think that would be a cool. 
Yeah. You could do a little bit of uh, horror stuff. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. You could really go uh, Topi on it, oh, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we have this book, Sergio Topi. It's right next to us. And mm-hmm. it's this great artist from Italy and uh, very gnarly and thought of crazy line work. And, yeah, yeah, perfect for tree people. Yeah, yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, I'd also like to draw um, Alfred and that woman in the car, like, driving away together. And he's, yeah. like, rolling her his eyes, and she's just <laughs> annoying. <laughs> You want that Alfred and Maggie scene that gets censored by DC? Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I'm doing, um, I just laid out the pages in volume two for uh, Alfred flashback scene oh, where yeah. he does, uh, yeah, you know the scene where he and, spoilers, um, Leslie go on a. I, w- I would keep it to your chest. I don't know when this is going to come out. No, it's okay. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I always wondered, like, how would Alfred, what does he do outside? of the mansion how far would he go to protect bruce um how does he carry himself mm-hmm. you know and uh yeah just little things like that like what kind of car does he drive what does he wear when he's not wearing um butler clothes you know yeah i yeah. gave him a sword because it seemed like an appropriate alfred weapon i figured he probably taught bruce how to fence in the first place you know right. that kind of thing right but it's fun thinking about alfred and i was thinking a lot about how i think you could do a really cool alfred year one story um i don't think anyone's really gone there story-wise yeah they always just kind of hinted his backstory yeah i mean you think of him as like um okay he's bald so he's not necessarily heroic but neither was picard true picture butler version picard um ex-military mm-hmm. you know trying i mean there's there's something there running he's not a, as badass winery <laughs> he's not as badass as bruce but yeah i think that would be cool yeah. i don't know what they're doing in that gotham show they, for all I know, they might have been. He's. Uh, I haven't watched it, but I think it's something similar to they did to um, a book called Batman Earth One that came out a couple of years ago, uh-huh. where they basically the Grant I think, Morrison book. Uh, might have been. Okay. I can't remember. I think uh, Gary Frank drew it. Okay. He's he's awesome. He, he's a great artist. Yeah. Um, but it's Alfred is like a former SAS guy. Yeah. And he's and I know in Gotham that he basically is the one who trains Bruce. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's what they do in that show. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's there's lots of different ways you can go with it. Um, right. I've always been interested to see an Alfred who doesn't particularly want to be there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a few different ways you can go with Alfred. Yeah. There's ex-military, like almost like he's driving Bruce to become Batman. Yeah. Then there's um, hey, if Bruce needs to do this, then I'm going to support him, Alfred. And then there's Alfred who like taught Bruce how to fence and a few other things. Mm-hmm. But generally, Bruce had to learn a lot of it on his own. You yeah. Know? And then there's a version of Alfred that hates this yeah. and doesn't want him to do it anymore. You yeah. Know? I've I've always been interested by, I mean, it's just a trapping of the genre, the the, the genre and the and the 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 comics in, in general. But mm-hmm. I've always been interested to as to why Alfred is just like all in. Yeah. From the get go. Like even in the Nolan movies, where Alfred is like <laughs> some men just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, Alfred's <laughs> got a pretty good head on his shoulder there. Yeah, and then when Bruce comes back from his jaunt in Batman Begins, Alfred's just like, "Yeah, what are we doing? Let's do it. Batman, I'm ready? Sure, let's do it. Yeah, come on, let's build some shit. Yeah, let's make some weapons. Yeah, let's, let's go splunking. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always been kind of interesting to me as to like why, you know, why does he want to do it? <laughs> Does he have to want to do it? Mm-hmm. Would it be interesting if maybe he didn't want to? Right. Or, 
you know, something like that. I think there's some some stuff you could play with. Ooh, I just thought of a good short story, Mm. and you should write this. This has got your writing all over it. It's one shot. It's in Elseworlds. Bruce finds some stuff from Alfred. Maybe Alfred's past in this version, Mm. right? And he goes through his things, and he finds out He was born 500 years ago in the Highlands of Scotland. (laughs) Um, Alfred, uh, in the military, his code name was The Bat. Mm -hmm. His friends in the squad he was in had like a souped up like they had a lot of batman type stuff Mm -hmm. all over the place like alfred's history reads like preliminary for bruce and Mm -hmm. bruce starts to feel like oh my god alfred alfred did this to me Ooh, that's interesting like alfred planted the seeds and turned me into a perfect single vision of what he and his squad did in world war ii you know what if yeah alfred killed the waynes that's yeah Ooh. They would never let you do that. No, <laughs> not, not even. That's why mind. we. T- that's why we talk about it here because we'll never get to do it in real life. Man, yeah, they didn't like when I made Batman a bad guy. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't want Alfred to be a murderer. Yeah, um, but I mean, that's kind of the natural progression of that story, right? If he's pushing Bruce to become this character, it's yeah, like, well, go all the way. There's got to be a catalyst for it. Right? Maybe he meant for Bruce to get killed too, and Bruce escaped, and then Alfred decided. I don't know, that he felt bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just break him mentally instead and, and commit him to a life of uh, misery and pain. Well, what else are you supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it turns out that Alfred's really the Joker. Oh, that had to have been No, done. I'm just saying, that's, that's where these things end up going, where it's like, yeah. no, but, what it, but it's the, it, he's the Riddler yeah. in this world. No, right. Anyway, that's the fun of Elseworlds, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so do you have any idea drawing? tackling oh same answer as you that's pretty good or uh the roadster yeah uh what would you rate this one to five i'm gonna go three yeah five i thought the animation was really good yep and i like the uh some of the concepts i think you could iron the plot out a little bit more Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of wasted time sending alfred back home Mm -hmm. and when you could have even gone into some more stuff about ivy which i think she needs yeah yeah and the stuff when you send alfred home it's like it's fun but i don't know if it's they could have leaned into it even more. Yeah. You know? Um, which would have been nice. But, you know, again, well, they only yeah. got a half an hour, 20 minutes, so. And he, he has a, uh, he gets dizzy after he's home for a bit. And Bruce, like, finds out that he's having withdrawal or something. Yeah. But he's eating the cookies that have the chemical in them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand the logic of, like, what is it, what chemicals need to happen in his body to make poison ivy's thing work? So... I thought it had something to do with the fact that he was in the cave instead of out in the sun. Oh. Because it's a plant-based chloroform photosynthesis thing. That would make sense. Because when he wakes up, he gets out and he stretches in, you know, in front of the sun and he feels great and everything. Yeah. And then oh. later when he's in the cave... That maybe not. I don't know. I That's could just be reaching. That should but, be. That's yeah. how... Yeah. Man, you're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> you should be a writer. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, how about you? What, what would you give it? Uh, I would give it a three. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was solid. Uh, good non-origin villain episode where she's pretty consistent, if yeah. not one note. So, why do you think people like Ivy? Because there's um on Twitter, I get followed by the I- Ivy League of whatever, <laughs> and um, they're super nice, but they're always like, put more Ivy in, put more. It's like one yeah. note, you know, and you know, God bless their hearts. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, like, what is it that you like about her? Is right. it like this sometimes lesbian relationship with uh, Harley? Mm-hmm. Is it just she's kind of hot and is it her powers are cool? I, I have no idea what really. Yeah, I I haven't read enough Ivy stories 
I'm sure they're out there, but I haven't read any to yeah. really get that across. And like the one, the thing um, that I was interested by was uh, there was a series that started, I think, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. where she was a bad guy, which she is, right? And those Ivy fans were pissed. Like it was they this character for them had gone from a villain to kind of an anti-hero to more of like sort of a just a general hero. Mm-hmm. And I guess taking it back to a villain was what they found oh. didn't like because they were I remember very this. pissed off by that. Yeah. And I to- I kind of understand, but at the same time it's like well, I mean she's a villain. Yeah. First and foremost, also it's just a new story. Mm-hmm. Maybe see where it goes first. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't yeah, you can't do that anymore. There. But, yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, so it's like I I find it interesting how kind of Harley's she, the same way because I like I I don't totally get the Harley love after a certain point mm-hmm. because Harley's a villain. Yeah. I mean, I know she's obviously got she's kind of a special circumstance because she was messed up by the Joker and whatnot. Right, right. But there is a certain um element to her character which is where her character comes from mm-hmm. which is uh um what's the word i'm looking for uh abusive relationship yeah which has turned her into a villain so right. I, I guess i should say with harley it's it's less that i mind i i mind less that people like her for her more heroic things mm-hmm. it's more when it's the joker harley stuff for, weirds me out like the, when people as, aspire to be those characters oh that kind of yeah, thing yeah that's what gets me it's like you, you i i understand what you're doing kind of right but these characters are they should not be together right like if you really loved harley yeah. you would not want her anywhere near the joker yeah yeah um i totally agree that's sort of so harley's generally like a a um mm-hmm. deadpool lady deadpool at this point mm-hmm. in mainstream in the, the main line of dc so mm-hmm. <clears throat> when i made her i sort of reminded people like hey she's a doctor right she's super smart i mean right. yeah i mean she must know that she's handicapped by this like uh so yeah have her admit it and have her grow past it like to me it's pretty obvious what people want you know right. I, I think the best villains have that they're bad except for this yeah Ooh, i kind of like that a little bit right like, you need yeah. to root for the villain a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And if there's nothing redeemable at all about them, well, that's a different kind of villain. Right, right. But, it, like, we want to love these characters. It's okay that they're bad, but they have to have something good about them, at yeah. least. And they, they took away Harley's thing, which was her intelligence. And mm-hmm. So for Volume 2, I, I have, um, um, you know, Bruce reminds Harley, like, her superpower isn't her fighting ability or her, you know. Like, her superpower really is that she dated and fell in love with the worst person in the planet. Right. And she, it did not break her. Like, mm-hmm. she came out stronger. Like, she, in a way, has like got the strongest heart of anybody mm-hmm. Bruce has ever met. Like, her superpower is her heart, basically. Right, right. I have it worded much more poetically than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I feel like um, when I remember the, the Harley people, sorry, Ivy, people were mad that Ivy was backtracked to being a villain. They were finally getting, like, the good ivy that they always wanted and then for some new writer to come in and back and destroy it like a lot of yeah. people were really upset because that was a character that they wanted to see redeemed you know yeah. honestly like making a evil villain having them win in the end and having them turn into a good guy or good girl is great because it clears the board for a new villain to come right, step in right. like why not graduate them into happiness yeah you know i also <laughs> think there's there's a little bit of hesitancy 
to to really admit that you love a character who does terrible things. Right. So if you can take that character that you love for aesthetic or whatever, you know, reasons or character reasons and then they turn good, yeah. then you it's okay you feel a little bit more okay about loving them yeah instead of being like right i love the character of the joker which right. apparently people say anyway even though they forget all the shit that he's done i know i know they want to love him but they yeah. can't yeah but you know that's yeah. that i think there's a little bit of that in there so it's like right. you know you well, want some, this horrible person right. you love the character you want to feel okay about saying that it's yeah and there's nothing wrong with that right. it's a, it's a natural thing to feel right that's why in uh, name dropping again in my book, I tried to make it okay to have a crush on the Joker. Yeah. Because if you thought that maybe there was another version inside of him that was a good guy, mm-hmm. it made you, those feelings of loving the Joker acceptable. He's not totally, you know, you don't have to disregard him completely. Right. I was gonna say before, like some of these heroes are made for you to want them to redeem themselves. Mm. Like Clayface, I want him to end up happy. I want him yeah. to fix his thing because I just for some reason. The way he's written, I want him to, to you know, um, make a turnaround. Uh, sorry, I lose my train of thought. Harley, I want her to be okay. Mm-hmm. Ivy, like, but when I come to um, like the Scarecrow or to uh, the Riddler, yeah, I don't want them to find peace. No, they're like, just they're just assholes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what is it about? Like, how do you design a villain that makes fans want to see that villain okay? Yeah. You know, there, I think there needs to be a tragic element it's to gonna, the yeah. to the character, right? Yeah. Because I mean, Clayface, at least if we're going by the show, right, is was taken down by his own pride. Right. But he's not he's not necessarily a bad person. Right. Right. It's not his fault. He's a victim of this. Right. Yeah. He he's not he's a victim, but he's not completely innocent either. Yeah. But he yeah. he wasn't asking to turn into Clayface. You right. Know? Um. And it ended up driving him nuts. So there's right. an element of pathos there where you want to, yeah, you don't want him to be completely destroyed. Right. But there's an episode of um, Batman Beyond with Clayface, yeah, which is I thought even as a kid I thought was like heartbreaking. Yeah. Because he I forget how they end up finding him, but he's like under the city mm-hmm. and has grown into the walls of like the sewers. Yeah. And he's just this husk of a, a person who's right. just like alive, but dead basically yeah, yeah. and yeah you, you go that you you think like well, clayface isn't that bad of a dude you don't yeah. want him to be yeah condemned to living death for yeah you know yeah whereas the riddler is just kind of a prick like there's yeah. not really i know much redeeming about the riddler yeah. or the scarecrow where do you land on hatter um i don't i don't know him well enough but uh i don't I, I don't like, care. For me, <laughs> he's not my favorite villain, but yeah. I I did discover while writing him that I I do like him. Yeah, I he's a he's tragic, um, but it's it's sort of his fault because he let himself fall in love and he got really weird and mm-hmm. he's goofy. I mean, you almost feel bad for he's like pathetic. Yeah, you know, he's like the nerd that can't get his shit together. Basically, yeah. Like I think that you can handle um, Hatter in a way that makes you root for him to want to you know, get the girl or whatever's driving mm-hmm. him, you know, in some I way. guess that's the, the, the trick with him, though, is figuring out what that thing is. Because yeah. that's what we've we've talked many times about. All of the best characters have that thing right. that you can define them by. Right. And what is it with Hatter? Yeah. Um, maybe we can talk about that in the next episode. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and do the uh, Perchance to Dream.
All right, we're back, and we're going to be talking about Perchance to Dream, mm. which is story by Lauren Bright and Michael Reeves, teleplay by Joe R. Lansdale, who is uh, a, he's a novelist, I believe. And I believe he wrote, now i got to click on it so I don't sound like an asshole and get this wrong. Yeah, he's a, he's a novelist. He actually wrote Bubba Hotep. I don't know if you remember that movie. Uh, with Bruce no. Campbell, where he plays Elvis, and he's in a nursing home. <laughs> I've never seen he, that. No, you haven't? Oh, it's great. <laughs> great movie. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, it's interesting that he he did this. It's a very uh, yeah. odd name to see. Um, directed <laughs> by Boyd Kirkland, and in it, Bruce Wayne wakes up one morning to find that his life is completely upside down. His parents are alive, the Batcave does not exist, Alfred does not remember Robin, and he is engaged to Selina Kyle. However, it doesn't mean that Batman isn't still around. And Bruce starts to wonder what has happened, especially after seeing the char- characteristics of dream of a dream, such as books and newspaper prints not making sense inside this new life. That one was much better than the last yeah. one. Yeah. Huh. Um, so when I remember seeing this as a kid, yeah. the point where Batman says, you can't read in your dreams, mm-hmm. I thought that was true. <laughs> so I remember uh, going to karate lessons that night, mm-hmm. and this guy who was like way older, he's in his 30s, he had seen that episode too and we were starting to talk and he thought that that was true as well and i thought i honestly carried this with me for years and i've actually had dreams where i've caught myself in a dream like oh wait i'm dreaming and i've actually grabbed a book and really read because i'm like i got to see if that thing is true yeah (laughs) whatever it is about this one part of this episode it stuck with me for a long time and I have absolutely read things in my dreams. Interesting. Absolutely. Even when we watched, when I watched it now, my first thought was, oh, yeah, he's right. And then I was like, wait <laughs> I a minute, wait, I don't know that. It sounds plausible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like um, Batman's logic of reading is done with the left side of the brain. And they're sure. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Okay. It makes, makes as much sense as anything in Star <laughs> it Trek. It sounded yeah. great, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, I loved this episode as a kid. This is like right in the ballpark for the kind of weird television episode that I like. I love, like, when it comes to Star Trek or anything like that, I love alternate reality stuff. I love dream episodes generally, you know, when they're not, when they're done interestingly, right. you know. Um, so I I always like this episode. And it's because, you know, I, I've even as a kid, I, I always just loved the hook ending, you know, mm-hmm. the, the surprise ending. Right. I was always into Are You Afraid of the Dark and yeah. Twilight, Twilight Zone. So to have an episode of Batman where it's you've got this nice twist ending to it. Mm-hmm. Um, always liked it. You know, it's I, I love the way it breaks down. Where yeah. you know he starts going crazy. All of it. I think it's I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I had some tweaks I would make yeah. to this. I yeah. think it would prove it. A I don't lot. think it's perfect, but okay. I, I do very much enjoy it. So uh, you're probably gonna maybe you're thinking the same thing I am. But let me jump into how I would fix this. Mm-hmm. The opening as it is is a car chase with two villains that have nothing to do with the rest of the plot. Yeah. Bruce wakes up in a dream. Scrap that. I would make him fighting the Hatter. Yep. And then halfway through the fight, he gets mind-controlled, and then he wakes up the next morning. So Doesn't then, that give it away, though? Well, that would explain why, in his dreams, he pulls off Batman's cowl and he sees Hatter. Like, maybe he's convinced. Because like, there's no reason for him to just imagine why demasking Batman would give you Hatter. Yeah, I I. I think that gives the game away too easily, though. Because well, you know that the Mad Hatter, his entire thing is mind control. Right. So if he's there from the beginning, I feel like that's kind of just really tipping your hand as to what's happening. Right. Because especially if... Yeah, I, th- I think that would be too much of a, of, of a hand tip. Well, I mean, to carry it through. So <laughs> yeah. I, I hear your point. So 
that happens. Mm-hmm. He wakes up. A, so this whole flashback is happening in a split second. Yeah. So Hatter has put this thing on Bruce, and he thinks it's gonna. <laughs> My favorite him. part of the episode is when he looks up and that thing comes down and he just goes, "What the?" <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I didn't see that. Um, when he, as it stands, the ending is Batman hooked up to a thing with his cowl, mm-hmm. and Hatter's there messing with his mind. Why wouldn't he take his mask off at that point? Uh, I felt like if you yeah. had this idea of Bruce halfway through a battle gets mind controlled and it, all this takes place in a half a second. Mm-hmm. So he's literally throwing a punch and he gets mind controlled. And by the time the punch connects, he wakes up again. So Hatter never would have had the chance to do that. Hatter's idea of handicapping Batman by putting this on his head didn't work because Batman broke through it. Mm-hmm. You know, even though in his imagination it t- took place over a few days, it only took place in a, in a few seconds in real life. Right. And then at the end, like, he gets Hatter. Um, and then you could have that last, the, the dialogue between Bruce and Hatter at the end of this episode, where Hatter's like, why didn't it work? I gave you everything you wanted. Like, you should have, I gave you happiness, like, just so you would go away. Yep. You keep all that stuff, because I love that dialogue, but yeah, I don't have it happen like in, in, in real life. So, yeah, I, I think it would tip the hat that's obviously Hatter, but I, I don't think that I think it's just a different kind of episode if you go that way. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're taking it down a bit of a different. Cause okay. it, yeah, it, it doesn't. You kind of lose your. Because um, in that case, it, it it changes the point, right? Because if you tip the the hat, so to speak, right, um, it kind of turns your episode into why is this happening instead of what is happening, right? Because if you know it's Mad Hatter doing it, right. you are you kind of are probably going to figure out very quickly that Mad Hatter's done something. Mm-hmm. So then you're trying to figure out why is this happening right. instead of what. And is that so? Is that kind of where you're going? Where you you would prefer that be the angle? So that stuff at the end has a little bit more beef to it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because Bruce also says he blames Batman. At the end of this, like right, I, right, and I don't know why he would blame Batman. That stuff is a little murky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, he. I get why he would track down Batman. I yeah. get why he would want to take his mask off. Like, hey, if I'm not Batman, who is Batman? Right. And if he sees Batman and he yells at him, Hatter, I'm ready for you. Like, he knows that it's got to be Hatter. Like, I know it changes the nature of the episode, but it explains away a lot of the plot holes. I think. Yeah, I. You know, the thing that I really liked watching this was. Um, after Bruce sees the words that he can't read, mm-hmm. he goes crazy. He kind of loses it. Yeah. And I, as he was losing it, he was losing it in such a way where I was thinking, oh, this is nice. He's not, he hasn't figured it out. At least, well, he eventually you find out he has. But at that point, you're, I'm thinking he hasn't figured out what's happening. Mm-hmm. He's going crazy as Bruce Wayne would go crazy in this new reality, mm-hmm. not as I've just figured out it's all a dream. I'm really Batman, right? Mm-hmm. But then they get to the end, and they kind of have him spout off, being like, "I knew it was a dream because mm-hmm. like, you can't read in a dream," and it's you know that stuff. So yeah. that that's where I feel like there is a the murkiness kind of comes in, and there's a the disconnect is weird there. Yeah, because why would he assume? Like you're saying, why would he assume that Batman is behind this? Mm-hmm. Um, Even says, "I don't have any reason to. I just know." Yeah, that's weak. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's ultimately saved by the hook at the end Mm -hmm. that it's you know i think the hook is strong enough and especially oh the best part of this episode is after he wakes up when batman gets into mad hatter's face and he just 
why would you do this to me? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's the... Because mo- he just... Yeah. Mad Hatter gave him the perfect life, which is fucking torture. Yeah. Because he gave his parents back. Yeah. And he gets up, and Kevin Conroy just nails it. Like, yeah. you feel... Yeah. Every ounce of bile yeah. in his voice when he says that. Right. And even the response from Mad Hatter I liked where he's like, you ruined my life. Right. I was going to give you the perfect life just Love to it. get you the fuck away from Love me. It. Love it. I thought that stuff was great too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can see there being a little, there's, it gets a little weird in the wrap up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I noticed that Bruce's life is very patronizing in mm-hmm. his dream. He's basically a millennial living with his parents. <laughs> Yes. Uh, he's got a hot. He he has day. tickets. He has tickets to the fire festival. To the- <laughs> <I know. laughs> Honestly, he might be running the fire festival. <laughs> and the way that like uh yeah the way that Alfred talks to him like oh you know Lucius Fox runs it for you mm-hmm. but you know but not that you're capable of like Bruce's life is just very nerfy yeah and very cushy and it just in a way like I can see why Bruce would not want that but I thought one way you could really turn up the drama is the very last scene mm-hmm. as it stands. Gordon's like, oh, little cool little gadget. We'll have to have the lab boys check it out or whatever. What is it? And Bruce walks away slowly, Batman, walks mm-hmm. away slowly and says, the stuff that dreams are made of. If he just walked away to, from a fantasy where his parents are alive, I think you should end the whole episode of him and his parents' grave. Yeah. Like yeah. he chose to let them die in a way just for reality. Like I'd rather live in a reality where I'm sad and my parents are dead than yeah. live in a happy, you know, happy life where I've got no substance, basically. Yeah. And the finale in the dream actually took place in a cemetery, so I feel like there's right, got to be a way right. for Bruce the gravestone to be right there. I don't know something. Yeah. Well, it could. It would have been nice if the. Uh, well, it wouldn't have made a ton of sense, I guess. But you, uh, I guess it depends on how much time was between him getting knocked out and turning because you could. You could have it be like the machine, the Mad Hatter's machine was inside the tower yeah. or some shit like that. So he wakes up and he's in the tower in the cemetery, something like that. Yeah, but exactly. That might be, well, Yeah, it's no more hard to right. to connect those dots than anything else right. they do in this episode. And for Bruce to say, oh, so you know who I am, and Hatter goes, I do, but I'm just part of your dream. Yeah, they really go out of their way to explain <laughs> why his secret identity yeah. is still intact. I know. And, you know, I kind of I kind of understand what you're saying where it's like, you don't know how long this has taken. Why didn't he take his mask off? Yeah. Unless it's like an Inception thing where he's only been out for a couple seconds. That's the... Okay, yeah. I was trying to think of where I got that idea from. Yeah. It's totally an Inception idea. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I do really like this episode and I think there are pieces of it that would... Um, really, that hint to a, a a stronger story if they had more time. Um, like it, this is kind of it's it's very total recally, right? Yeah. Um, you know where Bruce Wayne is more or less Douglas Quaid uh-huh. saying like I need to get to Mars, and they're like, "Honey, mm-hmm. Mars doesn't exist. Flat Earth." You know. Right. Um, I would have liked it if if they had an hour to do this story mm-hmm. and. You got some stuff of of Bruce pushing back in different ways, mm-hmm. and the world pushing back on him. So, like you know, the idea the idea with this world is that it's there to keep him sedated and content, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you have Bruce pushing against that a little bit more, mm-hmm. then you have the forces of the dream world, so to speak, right. coming back on him and trying to course correct him back into the. Mm-hmm. No, you're just Bruce Wayne. Your life is right. great. You're just coasting. There's no need to, right. you know, buy a grappling hook and throw it 200 feet in the air somehow. Which, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, the, kind of the way the cops were. The cops at the end, I thought they were going to play a little bit more. 
dreamy with the cops where they were just going to keep showing up to mm-hmm. try and knock him back into line, right. you know? Like, they were just all of a sudden going to be in there with him. What movie is that where you can't deviate because something happens, you always end up doing what history meant for you to do? Oh, I'm sure there's a few of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, but, ha- but you know what I mean, though? Like, to have him push push against the, the forces of the world a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Um, kind of true, like Truman Show, kind of. Mm-hmm. Where yes, yeah, where maybe, maybe that was it. <laughs> that might be it. Yeah, where he's kind of got an inkling that something might be wrong, but anytime he tries to push against it, there's mm-hmm. something knocking him back into place. Right. I think that would have been cool. Yeah. Um, but again, you only get so much time. Yeah, you could use this to do a real deep dive. Um, yeah. And you, Bruce, gets everything he wants. Yeah. And he's appalled by it. Yeah. So then the, I think it begs the question to Bruce once he gets back into the real world is what do you want then? Like, what mm. are you doing? I know you didn't want that because you knew it was fake. I get that. But like that gave you 90% of everything you've ever asked for. Yeah. It wasn't enough for you, which makes me think that you're always going to find a reason to be Batman. Right. You're never, you don't actually want to be happy. You don't want to be complete. You don't want your problems fixed. Yeah. You yeah. need to, you need drama basically. You well, know? it's the kind of thing. Mm. I think there's, I was going to say an episode of Black Mirror, but there's probably like 12 episodes of Black Mirror that do this. Yeah. Where it kind of gets you into the headspace of is what do you value more? Mm-hmm. The the thing that you want or what reality is. Like if you're given everything you want, if you know that it's not real, yeah. can you live with that? Right. Well, it's, it's the Matrix, right? The guy who... the the guy who betrays them in the Matrix, mm-hmm. who's like, I just, I'm sick of this gruel. Yeah. I just want to eat a steak. I'm I sick don't of care. Eating this goop. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> w- what is the value number there as far as your own right. I- identity and reality is? Yeah. Um, there's actually there's a great episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where uh, she starts waking up in a mental institute mm-hmm. uh, in a straitjacket. And the hook of the episode is everything that. All the, everything that we know that has happened up to this point is part of her psychosis. In this real world, mm-hmm. is her in an insane asylum as a crazy person. Yeah. And her parents come in. You know, we know them as divorced, but they show up and they're together and they're really worried about her. And you know, you see all these little bits that you go, oh, well, that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. You know, that character is named Angel, so that's where she got that idea from. So that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the genius of the episode is they never tell you if it's fake. She makes the choice to go back into the Buffy the Vampire oh, Slayer yeah. world. I can see why you would love. Yeah. you would love that ending. <laughs> you never. They never come out and say that what she was seeing was not real. Right. But so the fact that she actually makes the choice to choose the vampire world. Right. Is so good. It's such a good ending. <laughs> it's almost like the end of Inception when you're looking at the top exactly. spin and it yeah. just as it starts to bend a little bit, yeah. cut to credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because in that point, Leonardo DiCaprio's character has reached a point where he doesn't care anymore. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's right. real or if it's not. It's very Phil- Philip K. Dick. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you know, that stuff might be too heady for a kid's cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think I think those... I, I, I enjoy those stories. I think they, you know, take yeah. take what you know about these characters and say, like, well, yeah. you know, maybe they're kind of nuts. How do you write a, a, a cartoon like this where it has to work on two levels? Mm-hmm. It has to work for 12-year-olds? And it has to work for parents of 12-year-olds. How do you make it fast food enough for the kids and then still add, like, the vegetables? The, the adults will be like, oh, I see the other level yeah. of this. Like, it's such an interesting question. Yeah. I think they did a pretty good job, honestly, for, yeah. for as much as it 
kind of maybe be shaky towards the end. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we just had that conversation. It's true, yeah. About the, the essence of reality. <laughs> the fact that 12-year-old Sean thought that you could not actually read in a dream until he was yeah. in his 20s. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, what does that mean as far as yeah. understanding where you are and all that kind of you, stuff? You know, you know, you're right. I mean, when you can think of it as a kid's show and how far they got with this idea. It's pretty amazing. It is yeah. quite a home run. A few niggles aside, it really is a, a nice home run. Yeah. Um, from a technical standpoint, you know, I, I, as I said before, I have the Blu-rays. And the thing that's amazing about the Blu-ray set is, especially with the first seasons, less so in, in the last season because it all kind of changes the computer. Yeah. But um, you see every paint stroke, every, like, yeah. hand animation that they did, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But in some episodes where... It's real. They had a lot of complicated stuff going on, and maybe it wasn't as tight. The Blu-ray really makes that stuff pop. Yeah. And this episode in particular, there were some things that stood out. Like, uh, I noticed there was some transparency issues on some of the animations <laughs> where you could like see through stuff for a couple frames. And yeah. obviously, you know, who gives a shit? But right. I found I found it interesting. <laughs> um, and the the biggest one was at the end when they're in the tower, the, all the rain stuff mm-hmm. that was going on outside the tower. Yeah. You can really see how it's like pasted on or whatever the process is right. to do that animation on top of the other animation. I think they actually film rain. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it, it looks like it's filmed and then they make a negative out of it if somehow and yeah. turn up the contrast and then they make an overlay because it's not, it's too good to be hand done. Yeah. yeah. You've seen hand done animation of Batman. It's like droplet by droplet. It looks right. like a cartoon. Right. That looks like, it's a trick that they that they've done, done for a while. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember seeing it in old Disney movies, too. Yep. Like, in Robin Hood, this 70s uh, cartoon, I remember oh, it yeah. was like, wow, it looks so real. The best you know? Robin Hood. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I Last week, no, non sequitur here, I went on a deep dive, <laughs> like, what's the best Robin Hood, mm-hmm. you know, movie? Because I, I think you and I were talking about Costner and, mm-hmm. you know. And there hasn't been, like, the definitive... Even the best, the top three are still like, eh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think about the one from the 70s still being my favorite, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think if you if you wanted to pick, like, a definitive one, yeah, it would probably be Errol Flynn. Yep. Just that's, because it that's set consensus. the bar, you know, and the, the imagery and everything. Yeah. But, man, I love that, the cartoon one. Yeah. Oh, man. That was done. They, the review on and that. And I'm going to say this because I know that everybody else as a kid had a crush on a fictional cartoon animal female character made Marion in that movie was pretty hot oh my god yeah. yeah you know who else I had a crush on was um Gadget from uh Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers oh okay yeah yeah all right <clears throat> this is me I'm t- imagining myself as a furry right now I guess <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. who else hot animals hot animals <laughs> um do you remember in the sword in the stone where he turns into a squirrel yeah. And starts running with the female oh, squirrel. Oh, that nasty, dirty lady squirrel. She yeah. She's pretty cute. I remember her. Yeah. Oh, the feather duster from uh, Beauty, Beauty and the, and the Beast. Beast. Yeah. Something, I mean, the way her voice, she got, it got kind of rapey at the very end of yeah, the movie. Yeah. Well, they, they, Pulling spe- her feathers they out. specifically made her like a French maid. Uh-huh. So, you know. Yeah. So, what? You know. <laughs> no one hear you get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. No one's listening to that. <laughs> Either that or lots more people are listening now because this is going in a very interesting new direction. Yeah, man. I don't um, know if I mentioned this. My brother-in-law is a furry, and uh, it's an interesting story watching him go into that culture. And, mm-hmm. and, and this, the overlap between furries and uh, – I think I might have mentioned this before – 
D&D gamers and mm-hmm. cosplayers and comics people, like video game types, like we're really not that different from each other, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. lonely, antisocial, <laughs> looking for a little bit of love. Anywhere you can find it, even in a dream. <laughs> Anywhere you find it, that's the way. <laughs> the uh, uh, furries aside. Um, that's the sequel. Yeah. The, the strangest <laughs> thing I found about this episode is the fact that they have Batman working during the day. Yeah. And just sort of hanging around. Like, it's it's almost like they didn't know how to program Batman in this dream world. <laughs> so he's just showing up during the day, and then he's just, like, hanging out on the street for a while, and everyone's yeah. like, hey, it's Batman. And he climbs the rope, like, just Adam West yeah. style, like, see yeah. you later, kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if, if, if one of Batman's villains was programming that, he did not get punched enough by Batman. Yeah, you've not been paying attention. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I don't know what else there is to say, but, oh, the... <laughs> The other thing I did really like that was just a tiny thing is uh, uh, when Alfred picks out Bruce's clothes mm-hmm. and he says, uh, I've got just a thing for your business meeting. He just gets the same brown suit that he wears in every episode. <laughs> I like to think that that's Alfred's sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Well, drawing a bath. Yeah, it's, it's very, very Alfred thing to do. Yeah. It's funny. I didn't realize how much Alfred really was the uh, comic relief. Oh, he's such a dick. In a lot of yeah. versions. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I think, do you have a, a, a section of this that you'd want to draw or, uh, or tackle in a different way? Um, you know, Batman in the rain and a bell tower is pretty iconic. Yeah. You can sell those pages pretty easily. Yeah. Um, how about you? Um, I don't know. This is a tough one. Um, I think this is probably more of a larger concept or maybe not, but I think it would be fun to really try and amp up the 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 um, paranoia that mm-hmm. Bruce feels once he starts losing it, yeah, you know, I think that's that might be kind of hard to get across in a comic, um, but I think that would be fun to play with. You know, yeah. this reminds me. I did want to mention something before. I feel like they should have gone further into the paranoia. Yeah, me too. Because when I remember after he goes crazy, some of his lines are really over the top and kind of lame. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if you really had him going off the deep end, don't have him calmly walk into a store and buy a grappling hook. Yeah, and then calmly get his wallet out for the police. Have him <laughs> yes. like kick the door down and like knock the guy over, grab the yeah. shit, like yeah. shove the pl- like really go for it. Like he's just he doesn't plan on existing in this world for much longer anyway, so he's just gonna just do it. You know. Yeah. Also. Ooh. Speaking of that, of not existing in the world much longer, I am shocked that they let them have Bruce Wayne jump out of a bell tower, where like, even even though it's a dream, it's suicide. Yeah, yeah, like oh, the yeah. fact that they let him just be like, "Well, s- fuck you guys, I'll see right. you in hell." And he- <laughs> so, in the um, good, good line though, the book. So they almost cut that out. That line. Oh, really? So in the book of the animated series, the big fancy one from like fifteen years ago, yeah, has like the gray ghost looking yep. one. Okay, yep. it talks about. Um, Censorship and uh, what's it called? Um, customs and uh, standards and standards. Thank you. Yeah. And in giant letters on a half page, they say the studio has a problem with the line. I guess I'll see you in hell. Like exclamation point underline with a red marker. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how it got in, but if you think about it, that really is kind of a dark thing to say in a well, kids he, show. He doesn't say hell. He says I'll see you in in uh, in your nightmares. Maybe they so changed, they changed it, then. it. Yeah, I'll see you in hell. Bruce Wayne says, I'll see you in hell, and then leaps to his death out <laughs> of a bell tower. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, four thirty on a Sunday an afternoon for kids. Yeah, yeah. Maybe um, I'm wondering if the writers purposefully wrote PG thirteen stuff in there just to oh, give the yeah. editor something to do. It's possible. Like, yeah. They're not going to let this happen, but whatever. Let's try it. Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> trick for a lot of R rated movies where yeah. they purposely make it more R rated. Yeah. And so then they pull it back to what they would want it to right. be, and they're like, good. Right. How did Bruce know that suicide would wake him up? Just like he knew you can't read in a dream. Everybody knows you can't die in a dream, <laughs> so I guess. Just, just invented it. Yeah. Yeah. This movie was a, this was a big influence on Christopher Nolan, I think, this episode. Yeah. Die in a dream wakes you up. Mm-hmm. Although, they, I guess they probably could read in Inception. Although, I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, I think that's I think that's about it. Um, do you ever want to rate this one? Um, yeah, I guess I'll go four out of five. Yeah. Yeah, same for me. I think it's... Barely in the four zone. Yeah, this this is a. In my memory, it's a it's a favorite of mine. Yeah, and I think it still holds up, but yeah. it's you know you probably could punch it up a bit. It's yeah. re- it's very good though. Yeah, just tighten up the last five minutes really. Yeah, make make the logic add up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one more thing: the mm-hmm. policeman who was chasing after Bruce, whoever that voice actor is, I feel like he's done a lot of classic, um, very over the top like. Uh, Mr. Wayne, your parents are waiting for you at home. Like, just very patient. Like his voice just doesn't match the world at all. Yeah, it's like they hired a, like a guy who like, oh, I used to do animated cartoons all the time in the eighties. Hire me, hire me, hire me, hire me. Okay, great. We'll give you the cop. Okay, great. And he does his lines, and they're yeah. like, you know, this isn't Adam West Batman. This is different. Yeah. But nobody told him that. Yeah. So every pull time it, that back cop, bit, yeah, yeah, talks to Bruce, it's just this like, what? <laughs> It just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Small thing. I well, know. did you want to talk more about uh, Mad Hatter at all? Oh, yeah. So um, <clears throat> we touched on this last episode. Yeah. Um, you asked me how I felt about Mad Hatter. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't... He's another one where I haven't read too many stories where he's the main focus. Yeah. Um, I don't think I... It's tough for me to find him super redeeming mm-hmm. because if the thing he's at, I mean, like, what is the thing he's after? Is it is it just this fictional girl, or right. is it or is that just the jumping off point for his psychosis? And if it's the girl, right, well, that's kind of kind of creepy. It's very Lewis Carroll. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's not necessarily great. But. No, <laughs> but the idea of Lewis Carroll wrote Alice about a fifteen-year-old girl that he knew. Yeah. And it's definitely not cool now. Back yeah. when he wrote it, I don't know if there was statutory laws. If they looked at it quite the same, I don't right, know. The kids right. got married at 13 back then, I think. Right. So, um, yeah, but they, I felt that it was interesting how they reflected a lot of real-life Lewis Carroll stuff into this character. Mm-hmm. And made him just, um, I'm not sure if that's how he's designed in the comic. I know that Hatter is one of the oldest Batman villains. Yes, yeah, he definitely is. I even remember looking up, like, legally how they were able to use him. If he was mm-hmm. a Disney character or if he was owned by Alice in Wonderland people. Yeah, it might... Uh, I don't know when Alice in Wonderland was written, but it might have been in public domain by that point. Yeah, but they also call him the Hatter, not the Mad do. Hatter. Yes. And they have him yeah. referencing Alice, which you can do, but, like, legally I'm not sure where the line right, is. Right. But like you said, it might not matter because it might just be PD at yeah. this point. He's one of those characters that I feel like there's a big sw- breath that you can cover with him because mm-hmm. I, I know that some people have played him a lot more sympathetic, but there have been others who are like, well, let's really lean into the stuff that he can do yeah, and make him like yeah. v- dangerous, yeah. which I think you can go either way with him. I, yeah. But I think the problem there, though, is I think that while that's fun, it does kind of belie a 
lack of focus, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you you can do that with Mister Freeze, but Mister mm-hmm. Freeze, no matter whether he's the softest character or the hardest character, generally has that underlying thing where you know what he's about mm-hmm. and what his drive is. Right. I don't really know what that is with Mad Hatter, and I don't right. know if that's just because I haven't experienced the character enough to be familiar, but yeah. it just seems kind of nebulous. Yeah, I mean, his powers could be the most. Power. He could be the most powerful villain in Gotham. Yeah, if you use it right. Right. He's a great story character to use if you need a Batman dream sequence. If mm-hmm. you want to, you know, look at fear. You know, mm-hmm. In a lot of the same ways that Scarecrow is mm-hmm. usable. Hatter's less threatening because he's such a goofy little leprechaun, mm-hmm. um, and childlike in a way that it sort of makes me root for the character in a way. Mm-hmm. But if you went the version of like. Mad Hatter as the Scarecrow, basically, that's a totally different type of villain, which yeah. also was awesome. But, yeah, I guess it just depends on how you want to go with it. Yeah, I think in the Arkham games, he's pretty dark. Yeah. I think everybody's pretty dark. But I think there's <laughs> like a, if I remember, I think in Arkham City, there's a sequence, a Mad Hatter sub-story where he's like got mm. this table full of people he's murdered who are all dressed like Alice in White. Like, it gets pretty, pretty that, yeah. messed up. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's a character where I think yeah. doesn't totally have as strong of a of a no. back, not backstory, but, like, yeah. drive as some of the other ones do. When I was doing... Um, so I used him a lot in White Knight because mm-hmm. he used the Hatter technology to control Clayface, and he ends up... He was just hanging around in the plot, basically, and I got to the point where Neo-Joker came, you know, planted her flag... And Hatter was just there, and I thought, well, should she put him under mind control too, or I don't mm-hmm. know what to do with this guy. Right. And I tried to write him as always using Alice in Wonderland type dialogue, which was just a giant pain in the ass. Yeah. So I quickly had Neo go, you need to speak. Stop talking that way. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I was basically like, if I'm going to write him, I'm going to get rid of that shit because I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I found that he was really cool to use as a father figure Mm -hmm. because I imagine Hatter being one of the oldest villains of Batman's mythos. He's like up there in age. It's very easy to just think of him as like so old that no one even cares about him anymore. Um, But if he found new motivation by being a mentor to Neo, especially because she's a girl and he's whole, he's sort of driven by um, the loss of the girl that he thought he loved. Right. And in a way, this is him like sort of making peace with that. Like not every woman thinks I'm repulsive. Like mm-hmm. this, she sees value. And I liked him. You know, it's, first of all, it's always good to give the villain a buddy to talk to. So they're not, they don't, you don't need inner monologue balloons. They can just talk to someone else about the, their evil plans. Right. Having them argue was fun. Cause it was, it was kind of funny cause he's his experience and she kind of wanted to take shortcuts everywhere. And he was trying to tell her patience is, is important and right. I really liked him a lot and I, I always thought like if they make action figures of this book I hope they make a set with him and, and Neo because I yeah, just sort of like them a lot yeah that'd be fun yeah um, I think he's got a few more episodes we'll see what he gets up to yeah but uh, I think that's going to do it for these two hmm. uh, we've got uh, we're going to change the order just a little bit because there's a uh, two-parter Robin mm. episode coming up so next time we're going to do uh the Cape and Cowl Conspiracy, and the, the Laughing Fish. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to give us a rating or review on iTunes or anything like that, or hey, tell another Batman fan about this podcast. Listen yep. to it. That'd be great. Yep. Uh, if you get any comments, you can find us on Twitter, Badass Podcast, at Badass Podcast. Mm-hmm. Email questions, Podcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, and that's it. Thank you, Sean. Hey, man. Thanks. It's good to do this face to face. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, we talk for a lot longer. When we do face-to-face. Yeah. <laughs> Not I love that there's it. anything wrong. With it. Yeah. But uh, thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time.